We're going to talk about marriage specifically, but you can ask anything, honestly. Um, because uh, uh, we've, had a, we've had a terrible marriage. I was just kind of sharing, separated, and, right? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, man, we were just, we were full on. It was, um, uh, we were incredible heathens, and it was fun. And, and, um, and I wouldn't change it, to be honest with you. You know, people like, I said that, hey, we're going to be good at, and if we're, we're going to do something, we're going to be good at it. Even if it's bad, we're going to be really good at doing bad stuff. And uh, so that was real, us. And um, I'm just trying to be transparent. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's true, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so we were separated, et cetera. And uh, just, just share what you wanted to share, anything up front. I've got some questions for you. What do you want to hear? <laughs> you don't want to hear it all. Um, well, I'll just give you a little bit of my background. We both, you know, went to the Air Force Academy and... I used to joke that I learned how to be a really good man when I was there <clears throat> because we're, they dress us the same, we do every, for those of you women that have been in the military, you know that feeling a little bit. And so when we met and um, fell in love and decided to get married, we had no idea what that looked like, like my, most people don't, how to get along, how to respect each other, all those different things. And so, and the competitive part, I know there are a lot of competitive women out there too, is that I would say that was our biggest challenge, is that we just were competing all the time. And, and it just snowballs, and it gets worse and worse and worse, and you can't figure out how to get out of it. And there was one point, like Mike said, that we were separated, but it was, in my mind at that time, it was a totally hopeless, hopeless situation, almost like no feelings even. So not even, you know, there's anger and all of that, but, um, and that's why, one thing I love to share with people is that God can heal anything. I know that from the bottom of my heart. No matter how desperate, how hopeless it seems like it is, is God can heal anything if you would, um, I think if we just let him work on us, if you will. Not like there's anything wrong with us, but we just believe the wrong things. And so, um, go ahead, if you want to jump um, in there. Yeah, I just want to share some things because I, I want to I undo some damage first for a lot of you guys. Is, um, how many of you guys have uh, done stuff like um, uh, the five love languages, for instance? How's it going? <laughs> and let me just share you why. The, 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 I understand you can put a bandage on something a little bit, and, uh, um, but it doesn't work. I just share that with you, okay? Because here's what's going to happen is, is now you have a weapon to go, well, sweetie, my love language is this, mm -hmm. and you're not doing this, and so that's why I'm unhappy. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. And I it don't starts, respond to that. It starts the blame game over and over and over. Now, I get it. There's personalities, et cetera, but here's what you have to understand is, is that it has to start with no condemnation. If you go read 1 Corinthians 13, you first need to feel loved by him. And most Christians, if you grew up in the West, if you grew up, uh, especially here, word of faith, charismatic, you don't know the Father's love at all. Typically, they come out of that, and they don't know the Father's love. They know rules, and they know faith, and, and uh, yelling in Jesus' name, and whatever you've been taught, and, uh, but they're angry. You know, it's, it's, uh, we were sharing with Alan and Vicky last night, and you know, when we went to Bible school in, in, uh, in Nigeria, you know, they have 50,000 people per service, but you can't one, find one joyful person in the whole church. And they don't know the Father's love. It's, it's amazing to me. In fact, uh, they, it's like this status symbol to board their kids. So these five, six-year-olds go away. And uh, they get boarded, and, and they brag about that. And I'm like, well, who's showing them any kind of 
fatherly love and uh, they're just not getting it. And so that has to be your source is you have to figure out that um, uh, he loves me perfectly. That's where my source of love comes. See, everything in the new covenant is supposed to be internal, not external things. Does that, does that make sense? So when I feel loved internally, I can actually give it away. But if I'm, if I'm depending on her to make me happy because she knows my love. Now, I love physical touch. I, I, I love it. But yeah, so... Yeah. See, I learned something. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and I enjoy that, but I, it's not, uh, um, but it, that's not where my source is. Does that make sense? If I'm dependent on her to, what if, she's, what if she's in a bad mood that day and doesn't physically touch me and now I've got a reason to be mad at her because she didn't fill my love tank? Right. See, um, yeah, so that, that ha that's where it has to start. You guys understand what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm not criticizing five love languages, but I'm criticizing five love languages. Because the premise, this, the premise is wrong. It's you, no other person can make you happy. Jesus Christ has to make you happy. Amen. What I was going to share there too is, um, like Mike was talking about, in Nigeria we saw it a lot, or in Africa in general, is just, but what would happen is people would boast about their love for God. And they would outrightly boast about it. I look pretty much like I love God more than you do. Let me prove it. But I think we see that a lot in America too, of people, whether it's, well, I prayed five hours a day, or I get up at five o'clock in the morning and pray. I think it's people trying to prove their love to God. And I can say, I, I think I was there too, is that I wanted to show God how much I loved him. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do that, but it's out of the first the place, like Mike was saying, is first recognizing that he did it all for you. When you are so full of his love, then naturally you do things that show love back out. But um, I think that a lot of the Western church and a lot of the African church, from what we had seen, um, it's people, again, trying to prove their love to God. It's them trying to, uh, and, and boast about it too. Well, I do this, so I must love God more. And so because I do that, then he's going to do these things for me in that type of relationship, which is messed up. It, that's right into works. It's exactly right. So um, another thing I wanted to share was um, how did you do it? Because you, you certainly, uh, I, I was no treat to live with either at the time. Um, fun. But uh, we had a lot of fun, but not a very good husband. <laughs> um, so what did you do? Because you, you didn't do the streams. You didn't do, uh, no. what did you do? Just well, first practical. Off, what did you do? Everybody knows there are two people in a relationship. We both did our share of, he said, she, you know, all those different things. So he says he was in treat. I wasn't a treat either. Um, <clears throat> but for treat, me, though. what's that? Good looking treat, though, oh, so okay. that helps. Okay. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me so just said, share. So at least you're good looking. So, that, so that we got married. We didn't know Jesus. I mean, we had a uh, knowledge of Jesus, but certainly didn't understand God's love for us. And so, of course, it was fighting probably. We had friends that didn't even want to be around us because we fought so viciously <laughs> with each other. And, and so when we finally decided to separate for a while, and I don't know what made us try to... We didn't have kids at the time. We were miserable. We, all of our friends were telling us, just, you guys, just, you know, quit. Call it quits now. Get a divorce, all those different things. And for whatever reason, we decided to try again. And so shortly after that, um, a friend had taped something for me. It was actually a very religious <laughs> tape. So here's how I know God uses almost anything, because it was a tape of somebody teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it was a very religious teaching on it. And I was sitting in our living room by myself listening to this old cassette tape. 
uh, couldn't hear, it was like in a hotel room, and there was background noise, I had it cranked as loud as I could, and I would, re wait, what did he say? And I'd rewind it, and I'd listen again, and, and so I'm listening to this guy talk about the Holy Spirit and God and his love, and I was sitting in the room all by myself, and I just started bawling, and I just, it was like in an instant, God showed me his love. He showed me his forgiveness, and I felt overwhelmed by his peace and his love and all those different things, and that I knew right then and there that God was real. I knew that was probably the biggest miracle I would ever experience, that I literally became a new creation, and it was almost like, I try to explain, you know, like an out-of-body <laughs> experience, like stepping away from this shadow of who this person was, and everything that I struggled with at that time, which were a lot of nasty, worldly, you know, whatever habits you want to talk about, whether it's, you know, swearing, drinking, all that kind of stuff, all of that stopped almost instantly. And so, and I didn't realize it at the time, because when you recognize God's love. Does she need to put her mic further away? Because I can hear her breath out there. Can you hear that? Like, boom, boom, oh. boom, boom. Sound good? Oh, maybe I just hear it here. Okay. Okay. Is this better? No? Hello? Hello? Okay. Oh, okay. I could, it sounded like I, I could hear this thumping. Could be. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It's because of my amazing anointing. It is. I'm almost falling down under the presence of it, so. <laughs> and I'm just I'm waiting for the rest of you to throw money at my feet so you can sew into the anointing. But at that time, you guys... I, and you know when you... That's ridiculous. Some of you have had that experience of Stop. recognizing God's overwhelming love for you. And at that time, I didn't understand. I, that was grace right there. If I had, if that's all I did, that was where I should have stopped. But then we got into, you know, because now I want to know this God who loves me so unconditionally that all these, you know, I would have these memories of all these things, horrible things that I'd done in the past. And I remember hearing or, you know, knowing that God said, you know what, I was with you even then. And I was thinking, how could you have been? I wasn't saved, you know, because everything we're taught is God wasn't with you until you accepted Christ. But the, the reality is he's with each and every one of us all the time, wooing us, drawing us, calling us into his bosom. And so at that point, I guess, I was hungry to know God. Um, but then I, I thought again, this is where I got into, I thought it was now my love for God. I'm going to prove to God because you love me. And, and that's what I would get to is today I can stand back and go, oh, my gosh, it had nothing to do with that. It was all about his love for me. And so in our relationship, when we were trying to work things out, still fighting, still arguing, still having no clue how to get from A to B, um, at that time I just remember thinking, God, you can help me. You can help me do the right, or not do the right thing, but... Um, work in love or just be in love all the time and try to love Mike the way he needed to be. You know, and those are all, again, legal, those are workspace type things. But at that time, that's what I knew. And so, and I can just tell you, it was his overwhelming love for me that made me want and, you know, desire to love my husband. Um, so was there any hope at that point in our marriage? After, after that or... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to let you know that there, it was hopeless. Yes, it was hopeless at, at one point. There was no feeling. There was no, um, uh, there was no, it was just dead. Some of you guys are probably there right now in your marriage or if you haven't. And so there was hopelessness. That's probably the best way to describe it. So it was easy to give up. So how, what would you share with that? Just because um, we've lived it. Mm -hmm. Well, for those of you that have been through some 
rough times, you know that looking back after you make it to the other side of that, those are some of the most beautiful times with Jesus that you've ever had. Um, and not that there aren't more of those, but I think I was so desperate. Um, I did want it to work out. I was so desperate to somehow figure this out, somehow figure this marriage thing out, that I would just cry out to Jesus all the time and just know that it had to be his strength to help us in our marriage. Um, so I would just constantly turn to Jesus. I mean, I had up days, down days, you know, whatever it was, um, just knowing that he could do it. And I can tell you he, he did do a miracle in our relationship because I can't imagine. I told him not too long ago, I said, you know, if I had made, you know, how many have heard the making a list? You know, ladies, make a list of all the things, you know, you want your husband or whatever. I told him, I said, if I had made... I exceeded it all. You did. <laughs> you did. If I had made... And this is what God can do, you guys. If I had made a list of 100 things, Mike would be every single one of them. And I will tell you, neither of us are perfect, but... He, he changes the heart in such a fabulous way that we can't understand it. And that's always my, my plea to people is that, you know, if, they're, if people do split up or aren't together, there's no condemnation, none of that. But I do believe that when you get married and you become one, that's the process that you start working and fitting together beautifully and become one. And so it doesn't matter if there isn't that one person like, oh, you blew it with that one person or oops, I picked the wrong one. The minute you become that one flesh, that you are uni unified in that covenant, I believe God goes to work to make you guys complete each other perfectly. So, um, Yeah, one, one thing I wanted to share. How many of you guys know, I think you guys are getting the grasp of this, but the old covenant is types and shadows of good things to come. And, you know, Adam and Eve, when they, when they were first put into this amazing harmony and fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, before time, he says, I was with them. And... Uh, um, so they were in this amazing union, right? And what, were, what was Adam and Eve's job, if you want to say? What were they to do? Tend the garden, right? Now, how many of you guys know what he's really not trying to get them to do is go, go rent some acreage and go harvest? You guys know that he's, that's not what he's talking about, right? So what is he talking about? Does anybody know? What do they need to tend? Their hearts. Who said it? Vicky, did you say it? Yeah, see, in the New Covenant, it says this. It says, uh, uh, what shall we like in the kingdom to? And it's always about your heart. And, you know, in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart with all diligence. If you're going to tend anything, tend this. And I've got to point to this, but tend your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. In, in King James is what it says. If you look in Hebrew, it literally means how much life you're going to experience. So a lot of people are asking God to do things in their lives and and he says, listen, I don't withhold anything good. Isn't that refreshing? He goes, I'm good, I'm perfect love, I don't withhold anything good. So it's not, it's not the issue, is we've just gotten wrong teachings into our heart that uh, start to manifest. You guys understand that? So let me just share some things. Is, um, uh, oh. <laughs> In a lot of ways, I love, I love secular books a lot, too, because I love just comparing it with Scripture. To be honest with you, gosh, these secular guys have figured it out, and the church is still having people go to these Bible studies and spin their wheels, you know, and, and uh, they're shabbying for 20 hours a day, and, and these guys just believe, and th they, they do miraculous things. And I go, wouldn't it be awesome to do both, is just win in every area of our lives, you know, if it's healing, if it's, uh, if it's uh, 
business, if it's relationships, etc. And so what, how you're going to experience life is the first off, you need to know you're perfectly loved. But Ralph, we were and I talking about that, right? It's, um, there's no guilt. And I would just tell you, it's not your fault. Whatever you're, the reality is, it's all our fault, right? When we're going, where are you, God? Well, he's like, listen, you ate from the wrong tree and you've been eating from the wrong tree for some of you, it's 40, 50, 60 years. And he goes, you got to stop eating from that tree and, and tend the garden, Tend your heart. Start planting life in there. Nothing but his love for you. No rules, just love for you. Does that make sense? And so, uh, in fact, uh, I was just reading. Some of you guys can read it. I was reading it again because a friend of mine just talked about it. And, um, and it says in there, it says, listen. He goes, don't give any, any conscious thought to the wrong thing. Don't give any conscious thought to something that you don't want to manifest in your life. I'll just give you examples in marriage. Um, my wife's not good looking. I see that a lot in men because men are a lot very visual and they, so they see something somewhere else and, and all of a sudden they think that uh, um, somebody looks better or man, you know what, she, she used to be so good looking and now I just don't have that and, so, and they think um, it has nothing to do with your wife, I promise you. Is it has to do with you've just started to believe the wrong thing in your life. So don't give that, I know it's easier said than done but here, here's how I know. Um, and the, um, men are visual, ladies, okay? So, in, and this is really true. I, I believe this with all my heart. Is uh, I go, sweetie, if you if showed me you, and you showed me you a lot, and I get it, ladies, sometimes you feel uh, um, self-conscious about your body or because of the world we live in and everything else. I go, man, it, it, it'll be beautiful to me ultimately because that's what I'm seeing. Does that, does that make sense? So, um, anything you want to share on that is a, is, uh, Listen, it, it, you didn't make a mistake, because I, I, sometimes I hear this kind of stuff. Or we, we've, we've experienced this a lot, too. Oh, you made a list, and then you jumped in too quick, etc. and whatever, all the, all the stuff, it, just excuses of nonsense. Um, no, you're just, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Don't even give that any thought, because that's what you're going to experience. Does that make sense? Is I promise you, he designed that, that woman... Uh, um, uh, geez, do I share this? Um, yeah, okay. Because well, I just think it hurts a lot of people. People go, God's got the, the right one for you that he's done for eternity. Everybody heard that? And then you get into marriage and go, I obviously made a mistake. Because this can't be the right one for me. See, I don't believe in that. I, if you even look at like, the, the Jewish marriages, etc., they were just so excited to be married. A lot of times they didn't even know each other. Isn't that fascinating? And so um, just know that, is, is don't get hung up on this list, etc. When you, you just start tending your heart and going, um, man, she's, you know what, Lord, let me see my wife how you see her and do only that. Now, it's going to take a little uprooting, etc. in your heart, especially if you think, ah, she's, she's put on a couple pounds, she's not the best, whatever. I'm just trying to generalize because I deal with a lot of you guys, <laughs> and so... Um, and I would just, uh, I'm sharing to the ladies too, and then you can add whatever you want. But ladies, uh, if, if you, uh, gosh, you know what would really help? Um, you come, like, w w she flutters her eyes at me or something. I just go, <laughs> I'm done. And so it's, it's okay, ladies, to, uh, to, to flirt. Does that make sense? Guys are stupid. We'll, we'll, we'll fall in love all again with you. So anyway, um, yeah, so it really is, it's, it's, it's all about heart to me. It's, uh, 
uh, when we start thinking about the wrong thing, etc. Um, anyway, anyone, anything you want to share on that? I'll just say that, you know, in, in the process of wherever you are, if you have a great marriage, if you have not that great of a marriage or a relationship or whatever it is, um, is I had to learn to set Mike aside, not in a, I'm done with you, but, and go, Lord, just help me be the best me I can be. Help me know how much you love me. And, and it was, and for lack of a better word, it's working on myself, not legalistically working, like praying, like doing all these checklist type things, but just, Lord, let me have joy and peace. Let me just love people. Let me, you know, just consciously reminding myself of being filled with God's love. And then in the process, hopefully your spouse is doing the same thing or, or praying, you know, that, hey, let me um, just love them the way that they need to, let me show them love the way they need to be showed love or whatever it is. And I believe that God shows you those things, that he puts ideas in your mind or whatever it is. And so, it's, again, it's not a list of doing things. It becomes part of your life. It just becomes part of living that you show each other love. And, and you do that so beautifully, probably 40 times a day. <laughs> I don't know. He, he says wonderful things to me, and, and then he got Bear saying them now, too. So now I've got Bear saying, like, yeah, mom's hot, and, and, my, and Michael saying things. I'm like, oh, I love my boys. And, <laughs> and they make me feel special and, you know, and good. And so, you know, but if that wasn't there, the bottom line is, and when I would say when we were going through our greatest struggle. I didn't talk that way then. No, yeah. you didn't. No. So, and I didn't either. So no, I know. that wasn't I, I the case. I want you to know, like, it, it, that... When, when there was helplessness, all we had to do was trust God. Yes. And all I would tell you is, as he goes, listen, like, I forget the exact proverb, but it says, like, uh, if it's a dead stump, if there's even a smell or a hint of water, it'll spring back to life. And I just tell you, if, if you're still breathing, there's a hint of water. It can spring back to life, is what I would tell you. So don't give up hope, guys. And uh, so we thought we, at one time, had the worst marriage in the world. And honestly, I just look at it now and... and uh, Man, awesome. it, it really is. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, it's like these mega pastors. We, they, they, it's weird because I think they honestly see uh, uh, a good marriage all of a sudden and not all the weird stuff that they've been teaching from the pulpit for 20, 30 years about how to have a great marriage. And then all of a sudden they go, my marriage sucks. Mm -hmm. And we saw that over and over and over. And then they would, they would kind of, uh, I think because we weren't real, like they don't look at us as real pastors, um, <laughs> which I'm like, thank you, Lord. Is, uh, uh, and they also, also they, would, they would confide in us. And I was like, God, and I didn't understand what I understand now. And I remember going, what, how do I help these people? And it has to start with, uh, uh, he loves you perfectly. You're not condemned. He, he, he in fact, um, have you guys ever, any of you guys ever watched the, the interview of the author of The Shack? Yes. Go watch it. It's powerful. It really is powerful. It's, uh, it's uh, Paul, William Paul Bennett. Young. Young. Mm -hmm. William Paul Young. Mm -hmm. He wrote The Shack, you know. And uh, there's another great book that C. C. Baxter Kruger wrote with him called Revisiting the Shack, the theology behind it. But he talks about in there, he was, he, he was in the darkest, most brokest, broken part, that, uh, and God was always there with him. And he didn't, we don't feel that all the time, but I'm just telling you, he's there with you, and he's not ashamed um, I don't care how dirty, how ugly, how vile, anything you've done. We've all taught that, but I don't think a lot of people believe that. He was there with you in those times. He never left you. Um, in fact, uh, uh, you know, 
and I've, I've talked about this a little bit over the last couple of services, but where, you know, when Jesus cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22, and I'll probably do a, a whole service on Psalm 22, because by the end, really what was happening there is Jesus had to feel every feeling that humans had to feel because he had to redeem us from that. So how many of you guys have ever felt that, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Where have you gone? My life is falling apart right now. I have. Does that make sense? But if you keep reading Psalm 22, it says, I heard your cry and I never left you. It's so beautiful. Actually, the whole Messianic, uh, everything's laid out right in Psalm 22. So all these people that knew Psalm 22 by heart, by the end they go, this was obviously the Son of God because he just fulfilled Psalm 22 in my eyes. It was beautiful. So anyway, he's not upset with you. He's not, uh, you can't shock him. You know that, gosh, I'm so dirty and I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for this long. Um, I should be further than this. I shouldn't have these struggles. I shouldn't have these sins. I shouldn't have these temptations. And uh, let him deal with it. He's not afraid of you just coming to him and go, I'm broken and I need some help. And um, just going back to some of the, you know, when there are times when you're trying to work through things is, again, I would just always remember, and don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> I would say. That usually Lord, doesn't end well when no, they go. No, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. Don't take this but, the wrong way. <laughs> because I knew I had to, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm certainly not perfect. We're not perfect. We're all, you know. Well, we are perfect in Christ, but at that time, I didn't even understand that. So it was just a constant remembrance of not expecting his love 100% of the time, especially if, if he doesn't feel love or if I don't feel love. We don't have anything to give. So is giving each other some slack there and just going, you know what, Jesus? As long as I know that you love me, I know I'm going to be okay, period. As long as I have that. And amazingly, that releases your heart from longing for an external love or an external somebody to show you that but then it happens naturally i don't know if that makes sense or not but the part that i was saying is that sometimes we would get frustrated with each other and i go oh lord he's your son <laughs> you know you deal with him you deal, and i'll deal with me <laughs> or you know deal with me and you deal with him and the same vice versa is that guys hey she's god's daughter and he'll deal with her so i don't know if that helps like, that was in it a, that was it oh that, was nothing. Yeah, that wasn't so bad huh. That was easy. Yeah. I thought you were going to say something like I should have been an axe murderer or no. something. <laughs> no. How no. did that, you should probably clear that up because I thought that's what you told me for, I grew up pretty rough. Some of you guys know my, my background. In fact, Chad, where's Chad? <laughs> Our backgrounds are almost exact, aren't they? I, you could go live in my house and I could live in yours. I go, oh yeah, I've been here before. I know exactly what this is. And you said something about an axe murder, so I told her. I know, he keeps telling people that Barb said I should have been an axe murderer. I said, well, that said is something like that. not I at all it how it, the story went. He had... Um, anyways, he had to do some in the military. They put him through all these tests, and some of them happened to be these weird psychological tests and everything. And I said, man, some of those psychologists got a hold of you and saw how he was raised. Like, he was out on the street when he was six years old till 11 at night, shooting baskets at the park. Nobody knew where he was. Um, he would be home all the time by yourself, just running around. And then, you know, an abusive father and, and all the negative stuff that went along with that. All I said was, if a psychologist looked at you on paper, they'd say, wow, this guy should have been an axe murderer. <laughs> so that's and I'm all not. I said. <laughs> He's pretty awesome. <laughs> so does anybody have questions? Did anybody write anything down? Or and here's what I want to do with you. you. If any of you guys have uh, something Next at the wanna... end you want us to pray with you. Yeah. Um, just let us pray with you. I don't care how hopeless you think it is. It's okay to weep. It's okay to go, uh, Lord, there's, 
there's, I have no hope in this thing, and I want it to get better, but the number one thing I would tell you is, is go back to guarding your heart and go, don't, don't dwell on anything that's not life-giving. And, uh, and, that's, and I think if we really start looking at our thoughts and the things we dwell on, man, it's not life-giving a lot of times, me included, right? If I, if I, in fact, Chris Toby sent me a thing. He, he watches from Vegas, and, and uh, I forget. I said, give me the source of that. It was really awesome. He was listening to this guy, and he's, so I don't know the numbers, and I'm, but he said, uh, we have 60,000 thoughts a day. I, I bet it's probably more than that, personally, but 60,000 is a lot if you divide that into an hour. And some of you guys... Some of you guys stay up fasting and praying. I go to sleep, so I got less hours than you guys. And um, <laughs> in fact, I just told a friend that. I said, dude, you just, you try way too hard. It's just go to sleep, man. He's the one that never sleeps nor slumbers. Joshua 1.8 was written about him, not you, where it says, you know, get into this book day and night. And first of all, most of you guys have failed there already, so you're just going to start feeling condemned, and you think you can't have life because you didn't do it day and night. You didn't get into it enough. Does that make sense? But if you know Jesus, grace and peace is multiplied. If you know what Jesus represents in your life, that you are in him, a full son in the Father's house, everything he has, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, every blessing heaven has, you've already been given. Isn't that amazing? So what do we do? Ralph, you and I were talking about it. Stir it up. So the same thing. When we, when we start focusing on the right thing in our heart, um, uh, that starts to produce ultimately. When we just start, you know what, I have a, you can take, and like I said, what we're teaching works in anything. So if you have marriage and you start going, you know, I am perfectly loved. God loves me perfectly. Whether my wife understands this, does this, doesn't do this for me, doesn't do that for me. Um, we haven't in, been intimate forever. Uh, whatever. You know, all the things that I deal with a lot of you guys with is he fixes all of it. He fixes the heart, and then all of a sudden it becomes this heaven on earth thing. So, and You know, some of you may have not even, I'm sure a lot of you do, but... If you never thought, how do I even think about how God loves me? How do I stir that up? How do I, you know, get, not that you have to weep about it or anything, but get that joy unspeakable, is however you, this is just how I do it sometimes, is I just start thinking about, wow, God, you made me. There's nobody else like me in the world. You picked my eye color. You picked my, you picked every facet of who I am, my body shape, my whatever, all the, my personality, and if you did all those, if you picked all those things and you gave them to me, they must be pretty awesome. Not that I'm awesome in and of myself, but you put, some, you put your special handprint, your special touch on me. And so I, when you start thinking about those things, that how intimately he wants, he designed you, and that he created you so beautifully and perfectly. And I would say that's a good way to think about if people struggle um, in the body, sexual, whatever, that area is just start thinking about, but this is the way God made me. And that has to be pretty awesome because he doesn't make junk. He doesn't do that. And if you start detailing those things, even the things that maybe you don't like about yourself and realizing that, but guess what God gave me? And he made it perfectly. And I used to think, you know, I'm a, I'm a girl, so, you know, you have insecurities sometimes, whatever, wherever they are. And I, used to, I was thinking, wait a minute. You know, God gave, made Adam and Eve, gave Eve to Adam, or I mean Adam, or Eve to Adam, and said that the two shall become one, and that she was there, helped me completing. I thought, hey, whatever I have is what he needs, and if I don't have it, he doesn't need it. <laughs> so that's kind of where I was like, I like that. I think I can live I even with told that. you that. I said, ooh, sweetie, I like it when you talk like that. <laughs> don't I? If I don't have it, you don't need it. I go, amen, sister. That's a beautiful thing. I love it. I actually do. I do. I go, keep talking like that. I love that stuff. 
Isn't that hot? Come on, guys. Okay. You can be real. I had a question. Yeah. Um, I had two words that came to mind when you were talking. How much did choice and forgiveness have to do? Choice, meaning like choice to forgive? Yeah, um, she's, I, I don't know if you heard the question. Yeah, so it said, how much did choice and forgiveness have to do with it? Um, here's what I believe. It's not me forgiving her and her forgiving me. Because now you got something to... He didn't forgive me and she didn't forgive me. I have to know I'm forgiven. That's it. That's Does it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Exactly. I know you don't hear that in marriage deals because you like, you got to forgive and you can't get healed unless you have unforgiveness. That's bunk. And um, you don't know if you've really forgiven. Then you're going through cleansing or, you know, deliverance to try to get forgiveness or whatever. And I believe that's 100%. When you have that, like, wow, God, you forgave me of everything and cleansed me and made me whole and perfect, it, a forgiveness becomes a natural byproduct of that. So Just when like I knew, love. Yeah. So when I, you guys understand what I was saying there? Is when I knew that God keeps no record of wrong of me, now it was pretty easy to forgive her. And that's why, in, in, you know, before the cross, it says, hey, if you want to be forgiven in the Lord's Prayer, then you better forgive. And some of you guys have probably even been in healing lines, etc. He goes, no, it's not going to heal you until uh, you, you forgive all of your um, sins and now confess this stuff. And you got to hit this forgive-o-meter. And then, uh, uh, whatever, you know, like, whatever. And I believe that's everything. I, I think it's... Uh, you know, we're, we're taught all this nonsense. And he goes, listen, when you, when you were still dead in sin, I came and saved you. So stop that nonsense. So wouldn't he give me divine health when I was dead in sin? If he saved me, wouldn't he give me divine health now that I'm back and carry the Jesus' name? I'm back in the family? Come on. All that stuff's just garbage to me. Does that make, which is what's, is, which actually, uh, uh, and, and people still get healed in that, which is pretty amazing because it's just God's grace. He's like, I'm just going to overstep all these ridiculous things that they're teaching and still heal you. Because... I know I've been healed and other people have been healed and I, 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 I don't have, none of us have perfect forgiveness for others, do you? No. There's, still, there's, still, there's still people that all of a sudden, I can tell when I don't, when all of a sudden I see them and something stirs up in me, right? And so don't condemn yourself over that. That's where you go, Lord, you know what, you got to fix that little piece of my heart there. So I don't know if I answered your question, but it wasn't this conscious, I forgive you, honey, you forgive me, because that'll last about a day. <laughs> and then she's going to do something tomorrow and then we're at each other again, and oh, I forgive you, sweet. I forgive you, too. It's just, it's nothing. I, it, it is something, I get it, but it's a temporary band-aid. So when you know that he keeps no record of wrong of me, what an amazing love of a father, because I've kept some wrongs in my life that I've done, and I wish I wouldn't have done. <sighs> so that's why I focus on that. Wow, you love me so much, you keep no record of wrong. Then it's pretty easy to not keep record. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, what she's saying is she goes, I know I've been forgiven now and I feel more whole. That was his whole intent. Right. The wrath of God was to bring you back to this place where back in the family of perfect love, even though he never changed how he loved us because he can't. Now man fell, uh, and that's where, you know, everybody's been taught the wrath of God. His wrath was for you, not against you. Jesus was killed by the wrath of man because the works of the flesh is anger, strife, murder. Can God even kill Jesus? No. no. 
No. Are you kidding me? He's the resurrection. He's life. It, it doesn't even make sense if you actually start, if you, if you just stop and think about, wait a minute, if he's perfect love and he's life and he's resurrection, he couldn't even kill Jesus. His wrath was for us to bring us back into the family. I go, perfect love is I laid down my life for you. I died your death. I died that old Adam away, and now you're in the last Adam, Jesus Christ, and born again. All things are new. Does that make sense? Any other questions? Is this helpful to anybody? Yeah. And some of you guys, if you want to pray afterwards, like I said, is uh, uh, I, I, all I really, because I know, um, and it doesn't just have to be marriage. It was just interesting that this came up because I was, doing this. We, we got to do this. We've been talking about it for a long time. And, uh, and, and some of you guys are struggling in your marriage. Some of you guys aren't, etc. But it, it can apply to anything. So that's why I don't want to... You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not pointing on you like, sweetie, we need to fix these guys. No, just... That's not it at all. Yeah. Um, the question was, do, you, do we find other people condemning us for the kind of marriage? I don't even know. I don't know this if they do. Okay. And you don't care. <laughs> That's probably right. It's, I don't really care either because I'm like, um, I don't know. Why, what, in, what, in what way do you think they would judge us? Uh, fake. Oh, fake marriage? I don't know. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been around us in our house, etc.? Jay, I see Jay. Yeah, have we changed really when we're there? I, I mean, I'm sure. Uh, Chad and Beth... Laura, who else was on that? You've seen the worst of me, right? <laughs> I go, here, here's when you know you have a real friend. Okay, you saw the worst of me and you still like me, right? <laughs> and so I, hopefully that's what I do with you guys too. I don't know. You know, I, we, we really don't think about it. We've lived a pretty, uh, um, you know, we were in a business where there, it was very people intensive too and uh, in ministry. And so we just... We, we got tired of trying to be something different on stage and living your life a long time ago because that's just, and that's what we saw. That's, that's kind of what ripped out our hearts when we would get around these big ministries is they couldn't be real with people. Exactly, and that's why I asked that question because there are so many of us. There are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just total frauds. Yeah. And, they're, yeah, and she said, hey, they're total frauds, and it's really not their fault. It's just like it's not anybody's fault. They're so condemned because they're under legalism. And so... Uh, um, they, I, I know exactly what they're going through, is they're going, I'm a pastor, I'm a healer, or whatever, and I can't believe God's still using me because I know my life doesn't reflect what I'm trying to teach other people. So they, guess what? The works of the flesh, when I'm trying to change my life by my own efforts, you know what's going to stir up? More nonsense. So it's not their fault, and that's what we try to tell them. But boy, that's a tough one for religious people to get over that. Yeah, Jay. So if you individually, Mike, and you and Barb as a couple of marriages, you and being able to recognize the different legalistic Bible study books and stuff like that, what are some of the practical, practical ways that you individually protect your heart and keep yourself in fellowship with the Lord, and then you guys as a couple? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Could you guys hear the question? Basically, um, see if I summarize this good. And if not, if I missed it, just correct me. Um, he's basically saying, you know, how do I protect my heart when there's all this legalism and, and uh, grace teaching, et cetera? What, do I, what are some practical things I do? Is that how to protect my heart, et cetera? Um, oh, yeah, as us as a couple. Um, 
it's so, it sounds so simple, but I, I really try, I, I really try uh, every day. I don't, I don't set aside time for the Lord. That may shock some of you guys. Um, I just think, I, I go, you know what, you're with me all day. And I'm, I just, Lord, I want to recognize you all day. That's just me. You know, some of you guys like get into your closet and all this nonsense to me. And, and uh, they come out of their closet angry. And so, um, you know, hangry, they need to eat their Snickers. You know, they've been, <laughs> it's like, dude, if you would just eat and stop and go to bed, you'd, actually, that would help a lot. That's, that's actually one thing. That's that, you know, bro, that's what I, you know what I do? If I, th- this is practical, honestly, is that if I start feeling this, I put headphones in and I listen to a good service and I lay down for a while, whether it's in the morning, whatever. And, um, but uh, here's, here's a good thing for me is I just try feel loved. I try, I, I try remind myself in the morning that, God, you know what? You love me. And uh, there's, certain, there's certain scriptures that I just stir my, kind of what we were talking about, Ralph. I stir myself up with it where I go, you know what, Lord, whatever I put my hand to is going to prosper today. Um, you know what? You designed, we're going to have the most amazing marriage in the world. Uh, I can't tell you what I say to her. Um, I, I can't tell you the X-rated version anyway. But uh, some of you men should try it. It's actually pretty good. And she won't believe you at first, but after a while she'll believe you. Because at first she's like, oh, you're just saying that. You just read that in the book, and you're just saying that. <laughs> Which was true, probably. Like, okay, I'm going to try this, because anything's got to be better than this. <laughs> um, but really, it sounds pretty simple, but really, here's what I, at the end of the day, here's what I do. Is it something I need to do more than I'm hearing legalism? Or remind myself I already have everything. And, he, and I know my flaws, guys. Is, uh, uh, and I go, despite that flaw, you still perfectly love me and favor me. What an amazing God. That's what I do practically as I go. Because all of us are kind of mildly retarded in certain areas of our life, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We just really are. You know? and, uh, uh, and I mean that. It's just like it, it can't be us because I'm in this deal then. The covenant was between the Father and Jesus, so I remind myself of that. I don't know if that answered your question, but... Yeah, and then I kind of do similar things, and because of, I mean, however your personalities are, however you function as a couple, it's all going to be different. We don't set aside, okay, this is our time that we come together as a couple and, uh, you know, stay unified or whatever, but it just comes up in conversation because we're together so often. I might be reading something different and it sparks something in me, and I'll go and talk to Mike about it, or we'll discuss it, or whatever, or vice versa. He's like, oh man, I just read something awesome, you gotta listen to this. So it isn't a set time, because that's not how we function, you know, in our life. But if you're apart, and then you're, you don't have as much time, then maybe that works for you too. Because I think it is awesome as a couple to be able to talk about your beliefs. And, you know, maybe you're, if your beliefs are transitioning, or, cha- or like, gosh, I used to believe this, but it seems like this is, you know, I think that's important because you, you do kind of want to be on the same page as a couple. So we just don't set aside a specific time, but we talk a lot. One more, because I want to get you out of here. Yeah. One more. Anybody have another question? How long did it actually take you guys to have the reality that you really had God in your story? You guys actually got to know each other. Um, Mike asked, uh, how long did it actually take um, to realize that God's our source and basically come to start experiencing fruit, I think is what you're asking, right? Yeah? yeah? Way too long, bro. Um, 
<laughs> so I don't want to shock, I don't want to scare some of you guys. It's yeah, a never-ending so, thing. Yeah. I don't want to say yeah. that we've arrived by any no. means. But, uh, um, but here, here's what I would tell you. It, I didn't understand grace until probably four years ago. Mm-hmm. So once I, when I understood God's grace, it was, it was pretty quick, right. to be honest with you. When I truly understood that he did it all, it's over. And all that's left is the blessing of a father. That's all that's left. It has nothing to do with you anymore. Isn't that amazing? Then it was pretty fast. Um, when I was still trying to be religious and get it to work, reading the Bible more, fasting more, praying more, reading five love languages. Okay, what's your love language, sweetie? Okay, let all me try that. Yeah. All of them. And uh, <laughs> it was miserable. It really was miserable, to be honest with you. See, sweetie, the reason this happened is if you would have had my love tank full, um, then I wouldn't treat you this way. Whatever. You know, that was just our ridiculousness. And, um, but when, but I, 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 once we understood grace, honestly, we'd look at each other and go, we don't really have one because he's fulfilling everything for me. So now I can just express my love to you because it's coming out of me versus me trying to do it. Right. And I'll say something too, that there was another book that was out there, Love and Respect, I think was one of them. I think that respect is a natural byproduct of love. So Again, once you feel and know that you're loved unconditionally, you naturally love and respect um, people in general, which would include your spouse. Yeah, and so I think, uh, and I'm not criticizing any of these things, but it's just, it's legalism versus God's grace. It's really, no, you know. self-help books. They're trying they're to self-help help people. Books. It's some, but all of them are something you, for you to do. It's not getting to the root of it, though. And what she's saying is, we're designed this way. So if, if she feels loved by the Father and I feel loved, you know what? She's going to do what to me? Just respect me. That's all it is. And guess what? I'm, I'm, if, when I feel loved by the Father, I naturally love. It's not something I have to go, sweet, I'm going to love you more and you need to respect me more. It just doesn't work. Like I said, it's, uh, uh, if, if I've, if I've you know, met with you guys in a marriage and you, you start doing that again, I'm going to see you again. Because finally you're going to go, we tried all of that. I go, okay, now you're ready to be healed. Anybody else? Okay. Good. Is that helpful? Oh, Bill, sorry. So the lights are right in my eyes. I can't see you. Yes. Um, I, I, what he said was uh, he loves the grace message that's setting him free, but he wants his life to be more like Christ and virtuous, right? Um, here, here's, what I, here's what I believe. It's uh, uh, the, more, the more you understand his love for you, and it's all by grace, it's just a natural byproduct, the fruit of the Spirit. If you go into Galatians, it says the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, right? Now, guess what? And, and this may be controversial to more people, but it says grace and peace are multiplied by the, by the knowledge of the Lord and Jesus Christ. Okay? So works is simply this. Is, is works is if I think I have to do anything to be pleasing to God, I'll always fall short. Okay? So the, very, the harder I try, the worse it gets. Where, gosh, you know what? I'm going to do this out of willpower for a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And the very thing I don't want is exactly what I'm producing and you get totally frustrated. So when you think you have to perform in order to be pleasing to God, 
it's going to, everything you don't want, anger, strife, murder, you can go look in Galatians. Is it Galatians 4, 5? Something like that. I don't remember where it is. Is it 5? Um, and then it said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, self-control, all the things that are, that are, that you're really looking for. Does that, does that make sense? Is it the what? The vine life, yes. Yeah, it's simply, hey, and he says, oh, it's that, must be, I must have put the wrong thing on there again. No, mine's, oh, okay. I was going to say, Bill, that, that's, when you understand the union, and I think we're all working, you know, to understand the union that we have with Christ, that the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, that everything that, that God is, is in us, and he is virtue. We have his virtue, and that, and the more that we remind ourselves that, wait a minute, I don't have to try to produce fruit. I don't need to try to, be, have more charity. I don't need to try to do those things. I have that dwelling in me that that naturally flows out of you. It's just getting, you know, it's like getting this head thing to shut up, you know, <laughs> and don't stop and get the heart. And it, it flows from the heart, not from the head. So and it, it, you're exactly right, Bill. It is the vine life where it says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. You can do nothing without me. So that's why I don't like a lot of the self-help books because you're going to do it in willpower. And what you're really setting yourself up for, to be honest with you, is self-righteousness because you're going to do it a little bit better than this guy. Right. And, and so, you you and you think you did it. Does that make sense? And really all we need to do is tend our, our garden, tend the heart, go, you know what? He perfectly loves me. And everything you're, that you're, the virtue, everything will just flow out of it. You'll, you'll naturally be more virtuous. You're naturally, uh, and I joke about it, you guys, but we live a pretty good life. It's, it's a fascinating thing to me is um, uh, because we don't have all these weird temptations because I, I just know he perfectly loves me so um, I don't have a lot of these strange temptations that people that grew up in church most of their lives and we lived in a pretty mixed message typically uh, uh, I'll just share an example with you and some of you guys may understand this and some of you guys may not but um, uh, you've heard me talk with my friend Lance Wall now you know about Dallas it's the most church per capita big city in the, in the world or in the U.S., I mean, yet it's the least transformed, has the most teen pregnancies, the most drug addictions, the most suicide rates, etc. How can that be? Every kid goes to church. How can that be? It's easy for me. I understand it because I grew up in a really religious system. I go, they're putting legalism on kids, and they're, they're saying your behavior matters more to God than you. So fix your behavior. Don't do this. Stop doing that, etc., you know what they're actually setting these kids up for? To do that. And they, it's been a struggle for 2,000 years in Christianity. And, you know, I'll share another. And the, So I, I want to share this with you. Because, you know, the church is, um, how many of you guys have shared, they, they go, uh, uh, this really started happening really around promise keepers. Uh, maybe, what was that, 15 years ago, 10 years ago? Something like that. And whatever it was is so, you know, all these men, they would come in and they're desperate for Jesus. Well, if you're desperate for Jesus, he goes, you, if, if you know me, you'll never, you'll never be thirsty or hungry. That means he's a bad dad. If you're still desperate, then you're calling him a bad dad because he's not giving you something. Does that make sense? And what he's trying to tell you is you already have everything. I love you perfectly. So, and this is, these, I'm just giving you examples, but uh, uh, what came out of that is all of a sudden, they had all these accountability partners. Men, he's into porn, and you need an accountability partner. And Man, ministries that I was around, uh, they were like, you know what, the first thing you need to do when you go into a hotel is turn that TV off and turn off the, the deal, deal. So 
also we have promise keepers in Denver, and the hotels will still tell you this to, today. The highest per capita they've ever had of porn rentals is during promise keeper weekends. And so the men all of a sudden get away condemned, like, geez, I just said, and I failed again. I go, you're setting yourself up with failure. And so when, when people come to me, I go, we don't have a porn problem, we have a legalistic problem. Does that make sense? As soon as, as, soon as, uh, 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 as, soon as you go, listen, he, God's, he, he's, he's interested in your heart, and your heart's going to change the behavior. He's not trying to change your behavior. He wasn't trying to change Adam and Eve's behavior. He was not. He goes, I want to go rescue their heart. And the behavior, the fruit of the Spirit just naturally follows. Does that make sense to you guys? So men, if you're struggling with it, etc., um, you don't need to come tell me and, and do all this stuff. But some of you guys do, and it's okay. And I go, just relax. It's, uh, he loves you perfectly even though you're struggling with that. And as soon as it's go, it goes away and it's not this, um, this strange uh, forbidden fruit, honestly, after a while, if you're struggling with it, I've seen this with hundreds of men that I've dealt with now. Is find that they go, you know what? That, that's not that big a deal to me. My wife's pretty hot. But when they put the legalism on it, is it stirs it up. That's probably good. Was there one more hand? I'm not seeing a lot of people misinterpret grace. And, and uh, if you go look at, uh, you know, all these grace preachers, Paul himself, he goes, unless you're preaching it where it sounds like a license to sin, you're not preaching the gospel. It has, to, it has to feel like you're giving them a license. But really all I'm doing is it says, grace is a teacher that teaches you to deny ungodliness. It actually teaches you, like, he loves me perfectly whether I looked at that or not, so it's not forbidden fruit anymore, and it doesn't even, it's not even a desire. It's not even appealing to me. And it's, it's like, it's not a big deal. What if only one of you believes is what she's saying? Praise God that one does. That's what scripture says. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it says. And so here's what I know is, uh, uh, and I think that's what kind of naturally happened to both of us. When we stopped going, you did this and I did this and fix that and don't fix that. And I go, man, uh, <laughs> we did all the stupid stuff. Is uh, Jezebel and everything else, right? Um, oh, Lord. Gosh, somebody should have shot me. Um, but I'm just believing these mega ministries like, sweetie, you got the spirit of Jezebel. We need to cast that thing out. I'm going to show you Jezebel. Then I really, you know, like. <laughs> exactly. Then we just stop focusing on each other, trying to get, we don't even focus on that. We really don't. It's just like, sweetie, I love you and you love me. And do we have our moments? Of course we do. But they're not long and prolonged anymore. They're just they're little normal things. And we don't beat each other up for that. Let me answer Patty, though, on the. You know what? Love never fails. And so I would say if one's a believer and one's not, as long as it, it doesn't, I mean, not, it would be great if you're on the same page, but if you're married and that's the union that you have, love unconditional, love never fails. And here, here's what I would tell you. Some of you guys, uh, see, I, I, like, I love the secular part too, when secular, in secular things just demonstrate how fearfully and wonderfully we made. Uh, that, uh, you remember that in, um, I think it was heart math or healing codes, I don't remember where they, the U.S. military did these studies where they go, they have you think on these things, like Philippians 4, think on things that are lovely, pure, etc., and it literally repairs DNA. And then they go, think about, uh, all it's doing is guarding your heart. You go, now think about something else, and it unravels DNA. So what's amazing is, is when you're around, like if only one of half of you does it, you're probably going to win the other half over because you're close to them, and 
And your heart, literally that electromagnetic field of your heart, which is just really love, that's all it is, is changing the spouse. And I think that's without, without a preaching word, to them, right? without doing anything to them. Just it's love literally changing them down to the cellular level. And that's how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. Does that help? Yep. All right, get to your feet. All right. Oh, and some of you guys want to pray? What? Sorry we went late. I wanted to get you out of here. So you guys, uh, if some of you guys need us to pray with you be, before or at the end here, I mean, just come on up, etc. So here's what I want you to do is, is um, you're perfectly loved and valuable. Is kind of like Bill was saying, it really is the vine life. Is when you stop trying and go, Lord, I, I, I've tried my whole life. I've tried to be better. I've tried to be a good Christian. I've tried to do this more. I've tried to do this. And you just finally stop and go, you know what? He is the one who perfectly loves me, and I'm going to start just tending that garden, that heart. You start to experience life. Eternal life is knowing the Father and Jesus Christ, meaning that there's a family relationship, and I've already been blessed with every blessing heaven has. What a loving dad. Does that make sense? That's it. And he goes, now you're going to start to experience life. And you've seen Carolyn Leaf and all these people that go, literally, if you start thinking anything other, like even a, an angry dad, a wrathful God, you cannot experience life. It's an, an interesting thing because it actually inhibits life. Because God's going, no, that's not who I am. That's, you can't experience me. I am pure love. And that's why it says in, in Hebrews 1, it says, listen, in the Old Testament, uh, God spoke to us with prophets and, and different things. He goes, but now we have a more assured word. Jesus Christ spoke to us himself and revealed the Father to us. And if you go look at Jesus, all he ever said was, uh, nobody knows the Father except me, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And it says, all I came to do is I never condemn any one of you. I came to sozo you, give you everything I have. God's not mad at you. I came to save you. And that's the heart of the Father. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen him. Now, Western Christianity teaches everything but that. And so that's why I think most Christians aren't experiencing his love and joy and just overflowing and why marriages struggle. Does that make sense? So let's just pray from that standpoint. Father, we just, we just come boldly to your throne. Your throne is a throne of supernatural grace. So if these people are desperate, if they're, if they're at the end of their rope, that's where you want them. Because they can finally stop trying. They can be real with you. You, they won't be, you won't be offended by their by their toughest questions. You won't be offended by their, their, their worst habits, their worst sins. They can just come to you boldly and they're gonna experience your love, your favor, your, everything you are. You don't change. There's no shadow in you. So Father, supernaturally heal marriages. Restore them, not in their own effort. Just heal their hearts, Lord. Just unroot anything that's not of you in that heart and just burn it up with your pure love. Let that love just be a consuming fire that all that's left is silver and gold there. It's just redemption and divinity is all that's left. Just burn up every nonsense, any wrong thought, any wrong thing in their heart and just replace it with your supernatural love for mankind. Just let them experience your love for them in that marriage and then they, you know what? Then they, Their marriage, which seems desperate, which seems it can't be fixed if there was one marriage that was ever wrong, you still fix that one. And you redeem time. So if they've, they go, gosh, you know, I've been in this marriage for 20 years, 30, 40, it doesn't really matter. You redeem time. Make it look like they're honeymooning again. And just, Father, we just thank you for supernatural favor in their lives. Thank you for supernatural healing in their hearts, in their souls, everything, Lord. Root out the wrong belief systems and let them finally experience you, your love for them, 
and everything else just flows out of that. So we say thank you. This is going to be the greatest week of our lives, and that's what we're going to plant in our heart. In Jesus' magnificent name, amen, amen, amen.